Uh, where do we start with Guy? So Guy Rigby is a long-term advisor and I guess kind of friend to entrepreneurs. And in fact, when I started out writing about entrepreneurs and startups more than a decade ago, I know you wouldn't believe it that I'm that old. Um, he was one of the first people I wrote about. He wrote great columns for us and he started the entrepreneur practice at Smith and Williamson in 2008. He's also an author and remarkably recently spent three months rowing the 3,000 miles from the Canaries to Antigua which makes him one half of the oldest pair to row any ocean in the world. How incredible. Join me in welcoming Guy to the stage. Thank you. You. Kept, you kept me hanging there, just a couple of couple of seconds. It was a heartbeat away from panicking. Uh, lovely to see you. Look at that tan. Thank is that, you. Is that well, it's gone. Down? It's gone. I've been back nearly a month, so. Wow, I think it's still lingering. But you're looking very well indeed. Thank you. And we're looking forward to hearing more about your story. Thank you, Great. Guy. Great, okay. Well, this was originally billed as financial forecasting, I think, so I'm going to disappoint you and try and add a bit of colour to your afternoon. So are you, are you all having a lovely day? Yeah. Yeah, yeah come on, a bit louder. Yay! Well, well done, well done. So, uh, thank you for that uh, kind introduction. Oh, I haven't even figured out how to work this thing. Um, do I push it on to... Is that... Is that it? Right. So that's what I'm looking at, isn't it? Yeah? This, one, this one's not changing. Oh, I see. I can see there. Right, okay. Um, so, yes, my background, um, I guess I'm an entrepreneurial accountant. Um, I built and sold my own accountancy firm. I've been an investor, director, and founder of a various businesses. Um, it, laterally, it's not so laterally now, but in 2008, I started Smith & Williamson Entrepreneurial Services Group, which has been incredibly successful, and we provide literally every service, commercial, financial, taxation service for entrepreneurs. And um, it was kind of uh, two years ago, I suppose, two and a bit years ago, 2019, nearly three years ago, I suppose, uh, that I decided that I'd just turned 66 and it was probably time to hand on to the next generation and let them actually run that group. So I stepped back to chair the group um, at that time. And um, I'd be delighted to talk to any of, any of you about what Smith & Williamson do and what I do now, because I now consult with entrepreneurs, mentor entrepreneurs who are building businesses. I'd love to talk to you about that uh, quite separately, and I'll be around after this. But uh, anyway, so yeah, summer of 2019, I just turned 66, decided it was time to do something real and give something back. Um, and it was a kind of interregnum, if you like, between my full-time career and a consulting career. Um, so over the next few months, I decided to make a few changes. The first was to step back as a partner at Smith & Williamson and become the chair of the group. The second was to set up my own consultancy, the Entrepreneur's Advisor. And the third was this thing, to do something real and give something back. So basically, um, I had to decide what that something real was. And uh, I had a friend down in Devon who was a commercial fisherman who inspired me uh, because when I was sitting at my desk pushing bits of paper around, he was out catching crabs and lobsters off the north coast of Scotland. And I thought, Do you know, I'm strangely envious of this guy because he's out there doing something real. And so realizing that I was just not capable of 
climbing a mountain or running 40 marathons back to back, I decided that perhaps the sea was the answer and perhaps rowing across the Atlantic could, could work. And that's what I decided to do. So um, I'm going to just show you a little bit. There we go. So, um, seemed like a good idea at the time, is all I can say. So, uh, I set out about finding a crew um, and wrote a list of all the dead certs I knew that would do it with me and invited them out for lunch, invited them out for drinks and all that sort of thing. Uh, they all ran 100 miles in the opposite direction. Uh, one of them actually left half his beer on the, on the bar. I've no idea why, and rushed out because he said he had to get somewhere. Uh, so I, I terrified everybody, I think, with this whole idea. Everyone thought I was completely mad. And it wasn't until um, the September of that year that I had a chance conversation with a chap called David Murray, who was the son of the commercial fisherman that I was talking about earlier, who died of pancreatic cancer in 2017. And we have no idea why we were talking or what we were talking about, but by now, I had this sort of stock question that I would put in at the end of every conversation, was, which was, by the way, would you like to row across the Atlantic with me? And um, he amazingly said, can you do that? Is that a thing? And I said, well, Google it, have a look. Ten minutes later, he rang me, and he said, basically, I'm on. I've never rowed in a boat. Uh, before, uh, but I'd like to do it. He'd act, he was, a, he was a, a great character. He'd done six Ironmans and broken his neck preparing for his seventh. Uh, so he couldn't really do the Ironman stuff anymore. So, so that's what... Uh, uh, he decided to do it. We decided to go out um, to La Gomera, which is an island in the Canaries, which is where you saw that video where the start is. And... Um, uh, just to see really more and learn more about the race. Uh, sorry. So that was, that was La Gomera. To, we went out in 2019, chatted to the organisers and the crews. Um, up until this point, my intention had been that we'd race as a four, so we needed two more rowers. Um, then when we came back from La Gomera, we discovered that by looking at the Ocean Rowing Society, that if we did it as a pair, we'd be the oldest pair ever to row in the ocean. So although that then takes two weeks longer, uh, you've got much more responsibility as a pair than you do as, as a quad, 
etc., etc. It kind of sealed our fate. Um, and so we duly registered our entry as a pair in January 2020. So that took care of the doing something real part. We were now registered and uh, had to figure out how we were going to get to the start line. Um, so that left the charity and we needed to find a charity that we wanted to support. So after some research, having spent my life working with entrepreneurs, I was very keen to use that community uh, to raise funds for a charity. And after some research, I found this charity called Unlimited. Um, although I hadn't uh, come across them before, I, I, I had come across them before, I didn't actually realize exactly how supportive they were and how busy they were in the entrepreneur space. Um, and for those of you who don't know, Unlimited find, fund and support social entrepreneurs, mainly from marginalized communities, people who don't have access to the bank of mum and dad. Um, more than 50% of the people they support are women, and more than 50% are from ethnic minorities or are disabled. So an amazing charity. And um, they, their statistics show them that for every entrepreneur that they back, and I think they backed over 600 last year, they beneficially impact the lives of over 300 people. So it felt like a really, really good thing to support. David and I uh, loved uh, what we heard from them. And we felt we could make a difference. So we partnered with them. And it's important to know that part of our success in fundraising, which I'll tell you a little bit about later on, was the fact that we partnered with them. They came alongside us. Uh, we promoted them. They promoted us. Um, we had a match-giving campaign, which they put together. We put together a thing called a Lines of Longitude campaign. That campaign, um, uh, basically, you start at 19 degrees west. That's La Gomera, and you finish at 61 degrees west. Each degree is 60 miles. Uh, so uh, at every every 20, 25, 30, 35, every five degrees, we, we celebrated one of their social entrepreneurs. So, um, yeah, the challenge ahead, there it is, La Gomera off the coast of Africa, Antigua, 3,000 miles away. Um, at this point, we had no idea how we were going to fund the 75,000 pounds or so it was going to cost to do the race. That includes buying a boat, includes getting the boat out to La Gomera, getting it back from Antigua, buying all the kit, equipment, consumables, food. Food costs £6,800 uh, for two of us for 60 days. Amazing how much they can charge for that. But uh, there we are. So, so David and I decided that we'd seed fund it. We did that. We put in £20,000 to get it going. I actually advanced the money for the boat um, and, and we got going. Um, and we needed to do various things at that point. So we were reading books uh, by previous Atlantic rowers, uh, including the absolutely horrific uh, book by James Cracknell and Ben Fogel called The Crossing, uh, which is completely enough to put anyone off. I think once we both read that, we wondered whether we'd done the right thing. But we, but we, we carried on. Uh, we talked to previous owners to benefit from their experience. Uh, we created our team name, The Entrepreneurship. Uh, and designed our identity. Uh, we prepared our budgets and forecasts. Um, we developed our messaging, building a website, creating marketing materials, 
Uh, we booked our RYA courses, which were mandatory, sea survival, first aid, all those kinds of things, navigation. Uh, we arranged our training schedules and logistics, and last but not least, um, we had to figure out how to raise money. So um, this was our timeline for the Atlantic Challenge. I won't take you through it in any detail, but you can see, uh, yeah, I've been through some of that. August 2020, we first saw our boat, Lily. Lily found us, but that's a story for another day. Um, we acquired Smith & Williamson, um, my own firm, as a sponsor. In September, they were the first, really, to get going behind us. And after that, we carried on with sponsors and uh, got a whole load of network, entrepreneur networks on board as well uh, to promote our row. So that was it. That was the timetable 12th, leading up to the 12th of December. Um, leading up to the 12th of December, yeah. And um, we then had to figure out how to structure it because... HMRC don't make it easy for you. So what we did in the end was that we set up a limited company uh, to take in all our commercial sponsorship and pay our expenses with all the profits being donated through to Unlimited. And then we set up a crowdfunder like a just giving site where people came along uh, and gave money uh, to that. And slowly but surely, bit by bit, we inched our way both on the commercial side and the donation side to starting to raise uh, a, a decent amount of money. We had a mission statement. Every business has a mission statement, right? So these, these were, this, is, this was what we stared at when we were rowing on the boat. It was on the, on the uh, cabin at the back. We were looking at it every day. Friendship, start and finish as friends. Respect each other in the ocean. Help and support each other. Enjoy the challenge. Remember we're paying for it. Uh, raise as much as we can for unlimited and don't be shit. And basically, uh, <laughs> what, that, what that meant was we don't want to be overtaken by the guy in the pink elephant suit. We, want, we wanted to put in a good performance uh, ac across the thing. So um, first outing on Lily, that was, um, she's a 24-foot, 5-foot, 7-inch wide boat. Uh, quite a small bit of kit to cross 3,000-mile ocean in, uh, but very well built, very safe. Um, at that point, we had two options. We could buy a new boat or a second-hand boat. Uh, as I say, Lily found us, uh, and the advantages of buying a second-hand boat were price and equipment. You bought her cheaper, and she came fully equipped. If you buy a new boat, they come with nothing, and you have to buy everything to, to go with it. Um, she was built in 2019, and uh, she was a veteran of that year's challenge. In fact, she was a record breaker. She was the first brother and sister pair ever to row the Atlantic and the fastest male-female crew ever to row the Atlantic. And the team name was the Sieblings. And you can see one of them uh, sit sitting on the, on the cabin there at, at the back. So um, how are we doing for time? All right. So you can now see that's the sort of background to it all. Um, and obviously, we needed to start the training, the on-the-water trains, the minimum requirement of 120 hours, including 24 hours of night rowing. Um, so we took our boat down to Totnes in Devon, and we put her on the river, and we rowed down the river. Uh, and we went out of Dartmouth. 
uh, which, was, which was great, uh, but we did get sick of that 10-mile row from Totnes to, to, to the sea because it, you're so far up the river. So we ended up moving her to Salkham in Devon, which is an alma mater of mine, and uh, we, uh, we found people to look after her there for us while we went there. These were some of the things. Uh, so a bit of training in Dartmouth. You can see the sort of wonderful sunsets that you, uh, you get when you're on the ocean there. And uh, you'll notice that this was our training livery. So our early sponsors all got quite good prominence on the boat. Smith & Williamson, obviously, the principal sponsor. Uh, Mish Condorea, the law firm. Dent, the training business. Ollie, you know all these people. Um, uh, the one that was really interesting was Trimite, actually. So this guy from Trimite, Steve Thornhill, we met online. We met uh, through LinkedIn. And... Um, decided we should have a chat about almost, you know, anything really. And while we were chatting, I said, I know this name, Trimite. Why do I know the name Trimite? And he said, well, we used to sponsor powerboats. And I said, oh, well, while you're on, uh, <laughs> um, I've, 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 I'm rowing across the Atlantic. I said, it's not a powerboat, but it, you know. Anyway, I didn't really think any more about it. But three weeks later or so, I just got an email from him, one-liner, Trimite will sponsor your boat for £15,000. It will be good for both of us. And that was it. I just couldn't believe it. It was fantastic. So he wanted a bit of prominence. He got it there. And that's a picture, obviously, of David and I rowing uh, uh, the boat off Dartmouth. Uh, RYA courses, uh, first aid, you can see that. There we are proudly standing with all our certificates. Uh, wonderful training company down in, in Timmouth, South Devon. Um, this is the survival suit and life raft training. Um, I promise you, if you ever get into one of those suits, they are impossible to get out of again. So uh, you'd need to be need to be cut off you when you were rescued if you if you were actually wearing one of those things. Um, our biggest training row was Salkham to Falmouth and back. So we did a 200 mile row there and back. Um, on the way. We were about 10 miles off Plymouth, and we had one of the most surreal experiences. It was 2 o'clock in the morning. We were 10 miles off the coast, just inside the Edison Lighthouse. Um, and I came out of the cabin to do my two-hour shift, because this is the way it works, two hours on, two hours off. And I looked up, and I saw a big red light up here, just right in front of us. It looked actually as if it was over the boat. It was so close. And I said to David, for Christ's sake, we're going to hit something. Uh, and he looked round and he saw it and all the rest of it. Anyway, we couldn't figure this out. So we got a huge torch out. Uh, we knew there was no lighthouse or anything like that there. And eventually, this thing loomed out of the darkness. It looked like a lighthouse, actually, but it was just leaning very slightly. And we went past this 70 or 80-foot ship that was um, cruising along in perfect silence. It was totally calm that night. And um, there was a, an old guy with a huge beard, with a wheel, all the spokes standing there like that. No one else on deck. Every sail on the boat up, six sails on this boat up. And I shouted to him, I said, hey, mate, you know, that was a bit close, wasn't it? Uh, he didn't flinch. He didn't turn. And it was only afterwards, when we'd gone past, that I realized he was flying a red light on the top of the mast. And he had no navigation lights. And when we got to Falmouth, I looked up navigation lights, and it turned out they were only brought in 
in the 19, early 1900s uh, in, their, in their current form. So we just concluded that we'd seen a ghost ship. But who knows? Who knows? It was the most amazing experience. Um, yeah, final UK preparations. So here we are. There's some boxes of food here. Uh, the, the one that bottom left picture there is quite interesting. In the 2020 race, um, there were four of the boats out of 20. There were only 20 boats in 2020. 21, sorry, 2020. No, I mean 2020. Um, and four of them were hit by marlins. One boat was speared by a marlin. 30 centimetres came up between the guy's legs as he was asleep in the cabin. If it had been two feet further up, it would have literally gone through him. Um, so I employed this carpenter here. You can see that boat. the boat there is sitting in my garden. And we put down, first of all, we put down a butcher's apron, two actually, one on each side of the hull in the, cab in the cabin where we sleep. And then we put two layers of half-inch ply on top, very lightly uh, stuck down so that we created a crumple zone. And uh, we thought, if we get hit by a marlin, we're going to be OK. Actually, in, 20, in our race, only one boat got speared by a marlin, and it, and it wasn't dangerous uh, for the crew. So uh, design. Well, so you saw the training boat, um, as we called it, uh, with all the, you know, the sponsors uh, that we had at that time, but we ended up getting more and more sponsors, and so we, we, we took her off to get a, a proper design done for the boat. This was a barter deal. The guy, they, got, they got their name on the boat in exchange for designing it for us, and that's how she looked uh, by the time we, uh, we, we took her out to La Gomera. Lo and behold, with the company that did it for us. Yeah. So preparation in Lagomera. So now the boat's been shipped, um, and we're standing in Lagomera. As you can see, the harbour there down on the right—that's where the boats uh, were all stored. Um, Talisca whiskey signs everywhere. We were in that row of boats that you saw in the video at the beginning. We were just on on the end of that row, and we were we were um, we were having a lot of fun. Uh, with, with other crews, obviously. Uh, there's a lot of camaraderie that goes on in, in that situation. Um, this was our race pre-race inspection. You're not allowed to go until you've, everyone's confirmed you've got absolutely everything you need on the boat. Every, everything you see on the ground there laid out is our food. Uh, we had to take enough food for 65 days. Uh, we had to take 4,500 calories a day each. And that meant that we would uh, only lose a small amount of weight. That's the theory on, on, the, uh, uh, on the trip, because you can't actually squeeze in that many calories. Um, launch day, very exciting. There you see the boat in her, uh, in her new livery and going in the water. Next time she would come out of the water would be in Antigua. Um, and then we had our confirmation row, which is we went out, as you can see here, from La Gomera, 
and tested all the equipment. So on board, we had a water maker, we had a auto helms, we had our GPS, our, our trackers, our AIS, which is an automatic identification system, and all that sort of stuff, all of which needed to be tested. And if you look at the top right picture there, that's actually La Gomera, San Sebastian uh, in La Gomera at, 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 at the back there. And we had the race start, 12th of December, big day, perfect conditions. Um, and that was actually the first leg. We were, you can see the town behind us. That was the fastest we went on the whole trip. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a really good wind behind us and uh, we were in the shelter of the island, so it was very calm. Uh, and we were doing something like 4.3 knots. I actually did a video of that. We were flying along, it was fantastic. What can go wrong? This was the first day. One guy went out, he was a solo rower called Simon uh, in his boat, Atlantic Warrior. Oh, no, Atlantic Rower, I'm sorry. And uh, he fell over, damaged his elbow, had to get towed back in. So things can go wrong. We had a few injuries on our boat. We were knocked around a little bit by the sea, but otherwise it was fine. Lots of pictures of sea and sky, look. Was very beautiful. Um, something you can see the sort of seas that the... Um, we had a, a boat go past us who took some pictures. That was one of them, that top right picture. Uh, and that was a fairly sort of typical environment with a bit of wind and a few sort of five or six foot waves. There we were in mid-Atlantic. Uh, that picture there was taken by that super yacht that you can see just passing us. We took one of him, he took one of us, and then they emailed it to us. <laughs> um, thousand nautical miles under our belt, only, only about 1,600 left to go uh, at that point. Oh, this was an interesting one. We, were, we had the BBC um, interviewing us, BBC Radio came on, and uh, just as they came on, we had this enormous wave hit us. Our, our um, auto helm gave up, all the alarms went off. We were now being tossed around in the sea with waves breaking over the boat. Um, and I just said down the sat phone that I had, sorry guys, we can't do this interview now, goodbye, bang. And uh, that, that, that happened. few more. We saw a lot of birds. Um, I was clean shaven when I got on the boat. I told my personal trainer that I was going to shave every day. It was going to make me feel really good to shave every day. Uh, first day I shaved, my co-rower said, what the hell are you doing? Uh, so I let it grow. And then this sort of thing appeared. And after that, he called me Eddie. Anyone know why? Eddie Irvin, yeah? <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah, you couldn't make it up. And then um, we'll come on to the other one. So you can see every day we plot, plotted our course. And you can see down on the bottom right, uh, each day's plot showing us exactly where we were. Uh, we obviously went through the halfway stage. Um, believe it or not, while you're out there, you get a lot of growth on the hull, which slows you right down. Um, and. Uh, so you need to get that off, otherwise you can lose literally a knot an hour. Um, so David, my pal, went over and scraped the bottom with a kind of car window screen scraper while I stood on the uh, deck and, and, as you can see, 
keeping shark watch. 500 miles to go, uh, on we go. Uh, another rare visitor, 275 miles to go. I thought that was an interesting one. This was the screen on the right that we spent our entire life looking at. The first top left, 1.4 knots. We're bearing of 273 degrees, bearing to the, to the waypoint to, to Antigua, 273.9, so we're pretty much on course, and a course overground of 275. So those were the, uh, the things that we kept looking at. I just thought those numbers were also similar, though I better take a picture of it. We had uh, various schools and organizations interested in following us. This was uh, Millfield. Um, David's son is a teacher at Millfield, and they got terribly interested, particularly in, in, uh, in how we went to the loo. As you can imagine, those sorts of things are interesting to school kids. Uh, and the answer is, of course, in a bucket, which we threw over the side. 100 miles to go. Uh, when will we see Antigua? Well, that was a wonderful moment, uh, seeing Antigua. Um, and... Uh, we did a social media post about when we, when we should have seen it, 38.1 miles or something. Uh, last night on the boat, these birds visited us and came and sat on the boat. One tried to land on my head, after which my name changed from Eddie to Cliff. Um, and uh, then, uh, again, these are the social media posts that were made on our behalf. The boys, I think we were referred to. And there you can see the finish line coming up. And these were the most magical moments. People coming out, hooting at us, shouting at us, cheering, clapping, etc. There's the finish. And uh, there are the traditional flares on arrival. Uh, so that was 3,283 miles later, from around 53 days uh, later. And uh, we got off, we set this new world record. Uh, for the oldest pair ever to row any ocean. We also took eight days off the uh, previous oldest pair. Um, stepping ashore was interesting. If anyone saw the video, uh, absolutely all over the place, very difficult. And uh, obviously the first interviews. Uh, we, we had a Sky News interview almost immediately after we landed. Uh, before and after, you can see the impact there. David lost 8 kilograms, I lost 10. That was 13% of my body weight. Um, uh, unfortunately, I'm putting it all back on again. That's the way of the world, isn't it? And uh, yeah, we just got that last video to go. Actually, back. Actually, Guy, we're going to have to press ahead, I'm afraid. So these yeah. guys can track you down on social media and find the video there. But can we just give a huge round of applause? I mean, what an amazing yeah. achievement. Absolutely incredible. And we don't have time for questions, really. But one really important question here. What did you eat? Were they like ration packs? Yes, they were. Um, I'm sorry if I spoke for too long. You absolutely um, didn't. We were all transfixed. We'd forgotten about the time. Um, we ate dried food. There are four or five companies that make quite reasonable dried food. You mm -hmm. have a water maker on the boat, uh, which is solar powered. You make mm -hmm. the water, you boil the water, you put it in the dried food packets, you eat the dried food. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's really quite good.